Well, welcome to WNZN Radio from Lorain, Ohio. My name is John Merthin. We're just so happy you tuned in to today's program. I'm sitting here in studio with my good friend and assistant, David Abu. Jan, how are you? Great to be here with you again. And always day, as yeah. the Lord it says, today is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice. It's like a command, really. Yeah. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Right. It's a beautiful uh, mm-hmm. summer, sunny day, and we just come through all this rain, which I really appreciate it because everything turns green again. One of the things I liked living yeah. in Southeast Asia was the monsoons would come. And then when he had stopped, everything was like glistening. All right. Palm trees and everything is just beautiful. But uh, anyhow, I like all this rain we had this week. So another show, David, we've been really moving along with uh, a lot of guests lately, it seems like. Um, people that are involved in different ministries, both here in the mm-hmm. States, as well as overseas. A lot of interesting testimonies, outreaches. And I think that will continue going forward. I have some people... Uh, in mind that are going to be scheduled as we move through the summer. And I also want to talk one show about my trip to Thailand yeah. and some of the churches up in the mountains of mm-hmm. Myanmar and uh, the, the spiritual right. um, strongholds that are up there, spirits mm-hmm. and uh, sorcerers and these kind of things, yes. and how through Jesus Christ those bondages can be broken. But I want to share that, and that will be a full show uh, we'll have in the near future. Mm-hmm. So today I wanted to start out in... Uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, and launch in today's show. I'll, I'll tell you the topic in just one moment. But as you're listening in, and we greatly appreciate everybody that's tuning in this morning, uh, any problem with reception, any distortion, uh, just go online, wnzn.org, or uh, listen on your iPhone, or listen, uh, I use Alexa, Alexa and uh, the, uh, real clear reception. It just depends, sometimes yeah. it's single as it goes out, is it it strong in certain of the suburbs? So anyhow, it says in First um, Peter chapter 3, verse 15, a very interesting verse, but it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you, but do it with meekness and fear or respect for the other person. Why I, why I believe uh, um, this is so important for us as believers today or even unbelievers that might be listening that might have a question about the Christian faith, yeah. that those of us that are prepared mm-hmm. can give them an answer and do it respectfully. But notice it comes it comes on the right after Peter talks about persecution. If you look at verse 13 and 14, right? maybe if you read sure. it, David. Who's going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. So he's he's talking to Christians who are going through difficulty, yeah. persecution, maybe imprisonment. But even going through that, he says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts mm-hmm. and always be ready to give a reason for the hope. That, so even these people seeing these Christians going through suffering yeah. and for attacks, right. death, martyrdom, why do they do it? Then you've got an opportunity to say, here's why they do that. Right. And that's, but he says... First, before you give an answer, sanctify the Lord God your hearts. And what sanctify means to set apart, to make Jesus the focus and the center of your life. Uh, it's like when we pray the Our Father, we right. pray, hallowed be thy name. Mm-hmm. So before we tell other people about Jesus or about the gospel, yeah. we want to be living a spirit-filled life. We want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And I believe God will actually bring people into our lives that he wants us to share with. 
But to do that, we have to live what's yeah. called here a sanctified life means you're living under God. You want to please yeah. him. But then it says in your hearts, but then always be ready. Isn't that the Boy Scout motto? Always yeah. be ready. Okay. Yeah. But notice always, because you do not know when these opportunities are going to come. Yeah. And when the opportunity comes, you don't also have time to prepare. See, that's why we prepare now, and you understand the basics of salvation, how to walk somebody. Uh, if somebody says, well, how can I, what does it mean? What is the gospel? How do I become a Christian? We have to be ready to respond. Well, you know, that I want to add to that. And from my experience, John, I have missed a lot of opportunities mm -hmm. because I didn't want to be disturbed. I was on schedule and you run into somebody mm -hmm. where you could have had that um, interaction. Right. And instead I was focused more on my schedule. Now I've, I'm really trying, if something comes up, I'm trying to pause and see if the, that's an opportunity. And it's very important for Christians because it's all about that one lamb. Yeah, right. That even Jesus left the flock to go get the one lamb. It's a good and, point. And that's embedded in my head since since I'm a little further into this with you over the years. And it's really hard to change your schedule and be committed to something that you don't know if there's right. a payoff. Right. But but I found out lately there's a great opportunity when you pause and you and you have a sense in your heart. That's probably from the Holy Spirit telling you to pause. Yeah. And you know, you bring up a good point because we are running through life. I mean, we are Life is so fast today, is it not? I mean, we have microwaves and our vehicles go like from zero to 60, five, 10 seconds. My son just got married and, you know, went, yeah. right? We were just talking about it as we're cleaning everything out. It's like, wow. Yeah, life. <laughs> and so we don't have time. Yeah. When you study the Gospels, it's interesting how Jesus took time for the individual. The blind Bartimaeus, uh, the widow, uh, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. He has time for the individual. And if he could have time for an individual, no, surely we can make time in our lives. Because what's so it doing? You know, we're like hamsters in one of those hamster wheels. I know. That, you know, that is. Well, at least in my case, you know, I see myself doing that during the day. And it's it's not right. It's really not the way it's supposed to be. Plus, if you, if you yeah. talk to somebody about the Lord, about yeah. Jesus, about the gospel, you don't know where those seeds go. That's he right. may not become a Christian. She might not become a Christian during that conversation. But man, mm -hmm. you might be somewhere years later and that person comes up to you and yeah. says, I want to thank you. You know, yes. what? What did I do? Well, you that, you know said this and this and that. I was going through a hard time and you prayed for me. My whole life changed. That's how it happens. Like I always say, big doors swing on small hinges. Yes. That happens and um, you don't know. You know, you touch yeah. one person's life and that person might touch a hundred, a thousand. You're right. Like, yeah. You know, oh. Um, I just thank God for the opportunities he's given to me. I mean, I, in my testimony, which I'll share at the when I do the big mission overview of the churches up in North West Thailand that Marie and I were recently on, um, I went to Thailand as a soldier during the Vietnam War. I didn't know up from down spiritually. I wasn't a Christian. That'd be three years after my, I came back. Mm -hmm. And it's only by God's grace I became a Christian and that he opened doors for me to go back. But now these nine churches and these different things have happened not a thing of me, granted, right. but just how God can use an individual or a couple, a, a family, uh, to reach hopefully a nation. You, we had Raymond out here yeah. who has that work in uh, northern Thailand, and he's got a school, he's got a training center, he's got a business that helps these children as they go into adulthood, and um, and he's enjoying life, you know, but he, he was yeah. not a Christian. 
when he was living on the beaches of Phuket in southern mm -hmm. Thailand. So here we see, he says, okay, be always be ready to give a defense for everyone who asks a reason for the hope that is in you. Then my question is this to believers and to myself. Would somebody ask you, is there something about your life that's attractive that somebody would ask you, why do you seem like you have purpose in your life? Why do you have peace? Why do you have direction? Why do you seem like you have happiness or joy? How did you deal with the difference? Is, is there anything different about us that would cause people mm. to ask? See, that's what it says. Yeah. They will ask you. That's, that's very important. It's, a, it's an important point because it, we're called to be light and salt. Well, one of the things salt does, it causes thirst. Mm -hmm. so is there anything about my life, your life, who's ever life that's a believer that people might come up and say, boy, I watched, that was a really hard thing that you went through. How did you go through it with a sense of peace or calm? Or it seems like your life has direction. Or then you have that opportunity to share. And we, my wife and Maria and I had opportunity just last week. We were having lunch with a good friend who's gone through some medical issues and said, um, right over lunch, do you believe in heaven? She asked us, just like that. And then we go, we told, you know, yes, and here's the Bible. More questions came, but a door opened and we could share. That's right. So you never know when those doors open, but the key is to be prepared. Yeah. So to be prepared. And he says, everyone, so everyone means people might from all different walks of life. You might be surprised. It might be ahead of a CEO of some big, or it might be the guy running the elevator. <laughs> you don't know. You know, parking lot attendant, or might be your doctor. You're going to get X-rays, and he all of a sudden he's going through life's issues. He goes, "What does it mean to be a Christian? Can you walk him through that?" Everyone who asks a reason for the hope that is in you, but do it with meekness and respect. I like that because we're no better than that person. Yeah, even a hardcore sinner. Uh, but for the grace of God, there we were. All of us have become, there, there ain't a saint that wasn't a sinner, and there ain't a sinner that can't become a saint through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So we must never look down on people. I don't care if they're atheist, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, agnostic, right. whatever, whatever, prisoner in a jail cell. Uh, they're people. They are people made in the image of God. They are people that Jesus died on the cross for, they are people that have a soul that's going to go into eternity, and they are people that God has somehow put in our life uh, to share and to make a difference. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Jan, um, you know, one of the things that I have found out, so I think this show is for those Christians listening too, yeah. just in the sense of what we just read here. And I got to tell you, I, even when I started early on as a Christian, I wasn't prepared to to talk to people. Right. I mean, the only thing I could do is give my testimony, but I really couldn't direct them in the Bible other than why don't you start with John, the book of John, and see what, it, you know, how that, uh, what, what doors that opens right. for you. But I think it's very important as Christians that we do have to be prepared to be able to answer questions because we also don't want to lose that opportunity. You know, I'm thinking about, um, about the parable with the seeds, right? right? And, you know, some seeds will fall on, you know, uh, the pavement and they get burned up in the sun. And that's that interaction opportunity. If you're not ready to respond to that individual that's asking you questions, you maybe just lost the chance. Uh, and, uh, and those seeds are going to just get burned up and they're going to go away for a while. And maybe that was the opportunity they had to come to the Lord. 
when you convict yourself like that, which I've tried to do, it slows me down when I see an interaction. Yeah, right, right. Because then I feel I have, I'm, I'm the one that made a mistake here because the Holy Spirit put this person in front of me and I didn't act. Right. Well, well how about when you went to see your tailor at yes. the tailor shop? Yeah. And that, that conversation. Five years later. Yeah. They were with us at this Christian event. Yeah. He told us what happened. So you, you also never know when things are going to become fertile. You never know. And you, you never... just got to keep feeding into him, though, but with in a gentle way yeah. so that you don't push him aside. I mean, I told you the story about me when I grew up where I was thrown into a situation with a very good friend where there were um, 12 ladies around me mm. asking me about my salvation. And I, I was going over. I thought there was a party. I was looking for the pizza and something to drink. And then I got thrown into this. That's so that, that was a little, that pushed me back a little while. <laughs> it took me a while uh, to, to come back in and, and really take a look at this. Cause I felt very on the spot and, uh, threatened a little bit. Yeah, yeah, they were probably well-intentioned. Yeah. I mean, they wanted to share the oh, yeah. faith and whatever the situation was. But I think we have to, mm-hmm. we almost have to put ourselves in the shoes of the other person mm-hmm. and say, look, they're going through a life the situation. Right. And uh, I, yeah, walk them along. You know, okay? yeah. well, that's why I love how he says, uh, do this with humility or meekness and respect right. for the other person because they got- Well, it might be easier- for me, even because I just became a Christian, you know, under what has been about 15 years yeah, now. Yeah. You you started when you were 27. Yes. So I have a lot of sympathy, um, you know, for people that are going to come to this late. Right. Because thank God that I even that even exactly. that he even came after me. Exactly. I would have been I, lost too. My whole family wouldn't have wouldn't have had a chance either. Well, you never possibly you never know. Never know. Never know. Sure. I mean, but uh, but now look at the transformation. Well, that's it yeah. because it's like a fork in the road, and you go to this, and once you started going down there, yeah. and then your wife and your son and your daughter, and then you met all these other people along the way, and yeah, it, it's once you open that door of salvation and start walking down that mm-hmm. path, it's like you're in you're in Wonderland. There's a whole new life ahead, am I right? It's- yeah, you, you know, John, I, I was thinking about it as I'm thinking about these holiday parties we're going to be going to. And, you know, the difference between now when I walk into those parties and when I did before, it is a huge difference. I feel calm. I feel equilibrium. And I also feel that this party is not something that's going to make my July 4th. Right. I'm already centered on something that's far greater than the joy I'm going to have at this party or the cocktail people are going to be drinking if I choose to drink something. Uh Instead of focusing on that to say, wasn't that a great party? Yeah, exactly. We don't need that anymore. Right. And so you actually see yourself when you look in the mirror, you might look the same on the outside, but your inside is transformed. You're a new race. Yeah, it's a difference. I mean, that's the best way to say it. And it's so comforting because then you've got your equilibrium. You got your foundational pillar. Yeah. Instead of just boom, boom. If you don't have this, then all you do is jockey for position for what makes you find that equilibrium for only a short period because there's no way to maintain it with uh, things of this world other than to be centered on Christ. Exactly right. You're right, David. Yeah. Okay. So let's yeah. see how Paul does this when yeah. we turn to Acts chapter 17. How does he reach out to different people, groups from different backgrounds? And, um, Acts chapter 17. Uh-huh. And this is, uh, Paul is now going into the Gentile world. Don't forget, Paul's a Jewish rabbi. 
and he never felt comfortable about going into Gentiles because yeah. they didn't keep kosher, they didn't keep the law. Mm -hmm. But now God chose him to go to these different people groups. And just as a real quick flyover, what, what happens when he goes into Thessalonica, he goes into these different places like here in the Berea and then to Athens, but he meets the people where they're at. For example, he starts chapter 17 right. by going into the synagogue. Well, then in business, that's his warm market because he's a rabbi. Hmm. Yeah, People know those scriptures. He often gets an invitation because he has a great reputation. Mm -hmm. What they probably didn't expect, he's going to start preaching about Jesus in the gospel. But he does. People are listening. Some people want to receive Christ, want to hear more about it. Then he goes and he leaves there, and he goes to the Bereans, which is a different group. He goes into the synagogue again in verse 10, uh, but they hear him. But then they do something very important in verse 11. Yeah. They check the scripture against his message to see if it's true. So you see these different groups. The one yeah. just responded, yay or nay, or they accept him, reject him. The other said, okay, we hear what you're saying, but we want to check, does this line up with the Old Testament scripture? Right. Then it says many believe, because as a result of that, many believed, okay? Now he's going to move into an area where they don't know the Old Testament. They're not in the synagogue. They're in the marketplace. In verse 16, mm -hmm. he goes into the marketplace in Athens, he looks around, and he's trying to figure out where they're coming from. What right. is The key is not what the person's religion is, it's their worldview. Because somebody can say, oh, I'm a Christian, but when you get to talk to them, they not, may not even believe the basics of the Christian faith. Or they say, I'm a Buddhist, but everyday life is about animism and the spirits. Very little interested in Buddhism, but they just, uh -huh. they're in a Buddhist country, right? Many Americans say, oh, I'm Christian, but they're not Christian. They never been a professor. So you, what you're doing when you meet with people, you're looking for their worldview, and we'll discuss that in a moment. But he sees these people are into discussion, conversation. It says, um, uh, when they come to him, it says in verse 21, all the Athenians and the foreigners, they spend their whole time just talking about stuff, like the news or some new thing. It's like they didn't even have cable TV back then, but they're talking, all, what's the news? What's going on? So then Paul could enter into this, yeah, not as giving them the Old Testament scriptures like he did in the city, but by saying, oh, uh, who is this statue over here? I see an empty platform of an unknown God. What's that about? Let me tell you about the God that made all the gods, that made the temples. Uh, he, God does not want to be worshipped by men's hands, so he uses what they have. Yeah. Remember, sensitivity, meekness, and respect. He's not saying, you pagans, you idolaters. He's not saying that. He's using what they have. This is, we, I noticed this. We used to do this over... And to highlight what the spirit houses, they got these spirit houses all over the place because yeah. they believe there's territorial spirits. So we would say, do you believe a spirit can live in that house? And in the morning they go out and give a little offering, a little rice, a little you know, mm -hmm. burnt incense. And I go, you know, in the Bible it talks about the God over all gods, God Almighty came and dwelt in a tabernacle, a tent mm -hmm. in the wilderness when he got his people. So we use that and then we explain the true God that you don't need the little spirit houses. My point being that, he walks them along where they're at. And then he even says this later on. He talks about, um, he uses their literature. Yeah. Look, look at verse 28. Uh, look at verse, um, yeah, 28, what he says in verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So he's using their literature. Oh, that's He's great. quoting their poetry. It's not scripture, but I mean, it has scriptural truth I like to it. that, though, but it, it interests That's us. it. 
Yeah, and we've talked about that. Like, how do you give a good Bible study? How do you give a good sermon? You you, you got to interest your audience. You got to speak to your audience. Yeah, you might say, um, how many saw this movie, uh, The Truman Show, mm -hmm. or did anybody see Shawshank Redemption? Did you see any redemptive? Yeah. Things that he did? Um, or you can use commercials. Did anybody right. hear the old Midas commercial? Pay me now or pay me later. Well, that's like the cross. I mean, my point being, use common a literature where the people are living yeah. to bring out your spiritual truth. Right. So then he says, then he talks about the, you know, the resurrection and the fact that there's a coming day, you know, when God's going to judge the living and the dead. And so then he leaves them, but he's done a work there. There's believers, there's yeah. people that are interested. There's some blowback and pushback. Nevertheless, he went here, first Peter three fifteen. To, to, to present to these people the gospel, but he did it with meekness and humility. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's, yeah. going to the, he's going to the thought centers of, you know, Thessalonica, Athens. This is where Socrates came from at Plato and Pythagoras. Paul's going right in there. Why? Our message holds its own. Yeah, it, it does. Stand. Yeah. And now what I want to share, David, is, a, is there's four major areas we can approach people as we try to mm -hmm. share the gospel. We try to meet them where they're at. And I divide this into four areas, and we're going to look at this. Yeah. And the first one, uh, men have always questioned this, and we it's very popular today, and that is why is there something rather than nothing? Yeah. Why are we here? How did they, and this is simply beginning or origin. Why, why did we have this universe, and why are we in it? Mm -hmm. Well, many people will say, you know, I mean, there was a big explosion, what they call the Big Bang. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, okay. So when people say this, you don't want to judge them on that, but you want to probe them. Why do you think there was a Big Bang? Well, it's an expanded universe. There must be a starting point. Here's what scientists are saying. Okay. So that tells you there's a beginning. Right, right. Uh, other people will say uh, there's always been. There's always been a universe, you know, galaxies. It's what they call the steady state. There always will be. Right. Some people <clears throat> would, nowadays they're saying maybe we live in a digital uh it's, it's, a, it's an illusion. Mm -hmm. it, it's kind of like uh, uh, we're, in a, we're in the matrix. You know, this isn't real. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. It's a digital yeah. kind of a thing, a reality. Yeah. Uh, but then you could guide them along and probe and then say, well, it, the Bible, the very first verse, the first three words, are, in the beginning, God. So could it be a creator? And then you can explore that with them and say, well, uh, it says God created Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at the universe, it does seem like there's intelligence. There seems like some design. Just like if I point to a chair, I don't believe that chair built that chair. The chair did not build itself. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't see the chair maker, but my presumption is there's a chair maker somewhere. He had the idea. He right. made that chair. Mm -hmm. And then I do a couple of you know ways to explain that there's many reasons why this whole universe, meaning even our own bodies, which the Bible says are fearfully and wonderfully made, are extremely complex. Yeah. Uh, they are loaded with code and DNA. And um, the other thing is about this universe is fine-tuned. Now, many atheists today, this is a this is a thing they'll say, this is a this is an issue mm -hmm. that they have a hard time saying there's no God or no yeah. thought. Because you have these constants in the universe, you know, oxygen, gravity, the distance, the earth from the moon. I mean, what it's eighty degrees out there. Uh, what if what if the sun was a little bit closer and it's one hundred and eighty degrees out? You know, what if in the winter it didn't go five below zero? What if it went fifty below zero for longer, like two months, three months? Why is everything so finely tuned? 
oxygen is just right, water in terms of composition. Uh, all of these things seem like somebody got into, you know, worked all the gadgets and gadgets to have all these constants perfectly yeah. aligned. It suggests yeah. somebody got in there and tinkered with all these um, oh my gosh. things that are necessary. Yeah. So you can walk people along mm-hmm. on this and say, at least give thought to the fact that there could be an uncaused cause. The, the Greeks knew this too, that there's everything has caused. Could there be a, a prime mover or an uncaused cause? Well, that's what you would think there would be because to create this universe, you needed somebody all powerful, out of space, out of time, uh, that had personality in terms that his highest creation is a personal uh, being. And so you can walk. So I, I kind of get in. What you're looking for, David, is get a conversation going. Yes. You don't want to convince the people as much as you want to draw them out. And always ask more questions than give answers. That's the study Jesus method. He always asks these questions. And that that's the, the, you can tease that out. It's like a thread. You can pull on the thread. And they go, gee, I never thought of that. And then, you know, then you can get back and forth. And you may not, they might not become a Christian right then and there, but you're laying a groundwork for that first big yeah. question. Yeah. So then that leads uh, to the second big question men have always, mm-hmm. the first one is origin. Why, why is there something yeah. rather than nothing? The second one comes, okay, we're here. We know we have this existence. Uh, there was uh, Rene Descartes that says, I think, therefore I am. Mm-hmm. I know I am, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, ergo, uh, you know, so, so, ergo sum, I think, therefore I am. So, okay, I'm here, but what is life about? Does it have meaning? That's the second thing, or no meaning. And that's why um, some people say no, uh, that um, that men, this interesting, it was uh, Henry David Thoreau that said, most men live their lives in quiet desperation, and then they die, and their dream dies with them. In 1970, Peggy Lee had a famous song where she said, is that all there is to life? Is that all there is to life? Then just keep on dancing. There's a, it's a very... Uh, kind of fatalistic view, but many, many people have it today, that uh, this is all there is. There's no real meaning in life. And you get into an ex- existential philosophy, which simply says the individual is responsible for creating his own purpose or meaning to life. You know, And Paul talks about this. The Apostle Paul says, if there's no afterlife, if there's no resurrection, he says that in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 32, he says, if there's no resurrection, though, let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. See how fatalistic that is? Well, if there's no overarching meaning to our existence, yeah, just live life, you know, and, and don't care. I mean, it, not that you wouldn't care for others, but it has no overarching purpose mm-hmm. or reason. And that's getting more and more popular today. And that's why things with depression, anxiety, suicide yeah. are really jumping off the charts because... Man, man, man is created for a purpose. We'll see that in a minute. Man is hardwired for something. Don't, don't you think, Jan? Um, well, what is your opinion of this? I have my opinion. Sure. Um, you know, why are we here, as you mentioned, and where do we come from, and is there a purpose for our existence? Right. I think those are the real questions that everybody that isn't a follower of Christ are struggling with, so they go to those other habits that will numb their brain yeah, and just give them that little high uh, for the day, for the two hours, so that they can move on when it really starts to upset them. Yeah. 
you know, oh my gosh, you know, what's it like to die? I'm scared about dying. That's the biggest one. I've we'll heard. come to that. That's I'm the scared about dying. Am I going to die painfully? How, what's it? So for me, um, that's those are the doors that I think you can open when you're talking to a non-believer. Yeah. Just uh -huh. you give them your views of it yeah. and why you're so calm. Yeah, because... Again, it, it, this life of being there, purpose is enormous. You know, how do I reference my, how do I right. adjust my life and get through it? Especially how do I deal with loss? Mm -hmm. How do I deal with grief, setbacks? Uh, is there is there any way I can put this in some kind of framework? Now, again, um, people will say no. You know, I mean, a lot of people say no, there's there's just not. You can You can seek meaning in this life through relationships or art or music, but eventually... You're just going to flame out. Yeah. And and Jesus it's talked true. about this. Jesus talked about, like in Luke 12, the rich fool. Yeah. We talked about this farmer that kept having great crop, mm -hmm. great yield. He wasn't doing anything wrong. He, he had to put up more and more silos and barns because he kept, he was very productive. Again, he's not doing anything wrong. But if you notice that parable in Luke 12, it, uh, the pronoun I, I did this. I will make more. I will expand the business. And then he finally ends up. I will take ease. Now I can, so to speak, retire. And then it says, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. See, he made plans for everything but the real, real reality of life. Yeah. That there is a God. See, if, if, if you don't get the first thing right, is there a God or there is no God, you know, that created this whole universe, then chances are that's going to affect these other questions. Because, again... When you deal with the big question, why is there something rather than nothing? You either is there a God or is there no God? Well, if there is no God, you've got issues to deal with. If there is a God, what kind of God is he? Or God, yeah. plural. And then then you work from there. You try to determine does he require anything from me? Is he kind? Is he compassionate? Is he vengeful? Is it so you're dealing with all these things and that's going to influence these next questions, these big of meaning. And this is what's happening in culture today because why? Culture yeah. flows downstream from theology. And if you don't have no God, and, and you see that man is not made in the image of God, that's going to affect decisions, not just for an individual, but for yeah. society. And that's kind of where we're at today. We're, we don't know uh, in terms of sexuality, in terms of marriage, in terms of can we kill a little baby in the womb. All of these kind of things enter in to the bigger questions of, of what's life about. Yeah, and... You know, the other thing I found interesting when I was researching this, John, is in Genesis 2, 7, it says, when God breathed his own life into the first man, man became a living soul. Right. That soul is immortal. Reflecting God's eternal nature, the soul will live on forever, either with God or apart from yeah, him. right. So when people think you're one and done, it's it's a mistake. It's not what the Bible teaches us. So that that's something that I would hope would create pause. Uh, you know, would you rather be in heaven or, or the other place? Right. It, so you, you don't have a choice here. I mean, the, you do have a choice right. of where you're going to be when after your physical body passes. But we have an immortal soul. That's it. And that's what Genesis tells us. We're going to get to that. Because yeah. People tend to make more plans and yeah. invest more of their effort in their planning for their retirement yeah. than well, they do for what's coming in the, what's coming after they die. And they that's should, a, they should plan that, if you're going to retire. Yeah. But you should. But it's a retirement's going to last, what, 15 years or mm -hmm. so? Mm -hmm. So my point being, put 
pre-planned. We're going to talk about that. I don't think yeah, I like that. I like that metaphor because you know what? That's so true. 15 yeah. years versus, you know, eternity. Oh, what? So, okay. So the, anyway, we're digressing, but yeah. We're on this whole thing of meaning and purpose. Yeah. Uh, and how that, it, we're, we're going to, our worldview is going to determine that. Yeah. Again, if there's no resurrection, mm-hmm. uh, you know, go get all the gusto you can, you know, get, just live life uh, the way you want to live life and uh, <clears throat> don't worry about it, the consequences. Now, now, people can still be good people. They can be moral people. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, they don't have a reference point that there's something larger this life than mm-hmm. this life. And um, again, you'll see this in, um, this is going to affect the next thing, and that's morals. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get to morality, when we look at what the Bible says the purpose of life is, it says in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7, for this purpose, God created those who are his own to glorify him, to glorify, to bring glory to him. That's why when we have the prayer of the Our Father, the first thing we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Well, we want to yeah. uh, hallow God's name. Mm-hmm. The same way a really mature son or daughter wants to bring honor to the family name or to your father's name. So you want to hallow or bring glory mm-hmm. to your heavenly father. Matter of fact, that's what Jesus said in his high prayer in John 17. I, I have come, I've glorified you, Heavenly Father. So our life has a lot of purpose uh, if we believe there's a God, the God of the Bible, because it'll even say whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So now we reorient our life because our worldview is altered now, right? We didn't, Before I was a Christian, I, I, I mean, I didn't have no concern. I didn't know if there was a God or I didn't live like there was or there wasn't. I just lived life in have my needs met and I was selfish and I, you know, I didn't, that was it. You know, I wasn't mean or anything like that, but I just it didn't concern me. Mm-hmm. Like, what does it mean to glorify God? Yeah. You know, that was, became a important issue after I became a believer. Mm-hmm. And Jesus will even say, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So that, yeah, that's, yeah. that's when you come down to meaning mm-hmm. as we leave that to go to the third uh, big question, mm-hmm. so to speak. The, the next one is morality. Mm-hmm. Now, again, the morality is going to be uh, determined by these other issues, if there's a God or there's no God. Uh, and so what do I mean by morality? It's conduct. It's how man has basically three spheres of being, what they call. Number one, thought, word, and deed. Thought, word, and deed. H- how do I act in my thought life? How do I act in the words that I speak? How do I act in my actions or my conduct? Well, more and more, what seems we're moving into, it's not uncommon, but we're moving more into a hedonistic uh, culture because we don't have these things worked out about, is there a God? Are we responsible to God? Therefore, man becomes the uh, arbiter of his choices. In other words, he can, that's why you get these phrases, like in the 60s, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? Or Timothy Leary would say, you know, with psychedelics, tune in, turn on, drop out. It was all self-centered, <clears throat> or if it feels good, do it. Uh, be your own self. Uh, you be you. If it feels good, do it. Right. See, we become our own moral arbiter. You know, we determine our own morality, and that that that's a, a problem because there's no um, governor. There's nothing that, that you know we can do. And you want this would affect culture too, and that's why things like uh, abortion, no-fault divorce or even potentially euthanasia, if we don't believe man is made in the image of God, way back to our first question, 
then these things, and so laws will be made, things will be legal, but they're not moral. All of a sudden, society starts incorporating really what the Bible says is wrong behavior, but it's made legal, uh, but that doesn't make it moral. Okay, so you see, you can see where we're headed with yeah, kinds of things. Sure. So when I present these different uh, questions, these are like four filters, right? Yeah. But the key here is to ask questions. Mm -hmm. Well, why do you think that, or why do you think that's okay to do, whatever it might be? Uh, do you think there's any repercussions? Yeah. Do you think there's uh, is the main thing my happiness? Uh, you know, maybe that's not the main goal of life. It's my own happiness. But are uh, to always be pain free mm -hmm. or something like this? Yeah, is there some higher moral code we're being called to? And we're going to see this. This is this is more and more going to self. Um, if it feels good, do it, kind of a thing. And so there we have uh, origin, you know, or how did all how is there universe? Number two is meaning. Does life have purpose or no? That existentialist yep. would say no, not really. And then we have morality. And we're going to move on from morality or code of conduct because in some cultures it's it's quite okay. Some worldviews for a man to have three, four wives. Yeah, uh, there could be some cultures. Uh, I saw this in Asia where people did not eat animals, and it was a break of the moral code. Or they would say uh, uh, there were times in India that the, when the man died, uh, they would burn his, they would cremate him, but they would cremate his wife with him, even though she was still alive. Um, yeah, <laughs> what I'm saying is there's things that can be incorporated in the culture that we know biblically now are wrong, but when you're in culture, it's just everyday life. You don't think of it. You know, um, I think I think that will, could well happen in the in, in the future when they look at back our own culture that in many ways is very advanced. But since Roe versus Wade was was passed, we've killed over sixty million babies. Now they're going to look back on that someday and say, "What was what was going on back there?" You know, uh, they it was sanctioned by the law. Mm -hmm. They would help pay for it. Yeah, they would dispose of the bodies. But this was wrong. But that was legal. That's yeah. my point in proof. Yep. Okay, so that moves us to our last and what I would consider the biggest uh, issue of the day, so to speak, mm -hmm. and that would be destiny. We, you know, we dealt with how did everything begin, or what's the origin, what is meaning in life, and then finally we're coming to this issue of morality, and that leads us to the the big one, if you will, uh, destiny or death. Uh, what happens to us? Nobody gets out of this thing alive. No. Right? The, the, it says, Job said in verse four, chapter 14, verse 14 of the book. I'm of sorry, Job. say that again. Job chapter 14, okay. verse 14. If you got it, just read it up. But he asked a very, very important question. And Job is one of the earliest books in the Bible ever written. Okay. Job, verse 14, chapter yep. 14, verse 14. If someone dies, will they live again? There it is. If somebody dies, will it... This is a big question, and I, I, it's sad to say, but many people don't want to think about it. No. I, it, it's a form of denial yeah. because it's so, not only is it, is it, is it, it can be scary, but it, it's inevitable. Mm -hmm. I mean, 100% of us aren't going to get out of this thing alive. No way. <laughs> and that's the way it is. The thing is, the game of life, you don't... The, there's a game clock, but it's covered. You don't know. You might have 50 years. You might have five days. We don't know. That's that's uh, how fragile life is. Mm -hmm. So what the, what some people think, well, again, 
I'm just going to live my life. And, yeah. uh, if I die, uh, I die. I'm not going to worry about if there's an afterlife. And I listened to famous atheist Christopher Hitchens, who just died not that long ago. But he says he doesn't care about it. He doesn't believe there's an afterlife. Uh, he doesn't think there is an afterlife. Uh, other famous atheists have made these statements as they approach death. Uh, they say, I don't think there's anything after. But the problem is that, why Why do you think that? What, in other words, again, you're probing questions. You're trying to get conversations. So if somebody says, well, I think when you die, you're coming back. Reincarnation, which would be Easter thought. When you say, why do you think that? Well, I read a, a book from India, or I, I studied uh, Eastern religions, and that's okay. Uh, okay, so you, you probably you think that's going to happen. Okay. Then you might, if you're talking to a person who doesn't believe in God, doesn't, you know, is, is an atheist or agnostic, he might say, uh, there is, there's nothing, there's no God and there's no afterlife. They, they, they don't believe it. I heard Bill Maher on TV once say, life is just like being in a prison. You're just doing time until one day you die. You know, and that, that's the sad fact. And that's called annihilation, right. where the belief is nothing of you continues. Yeah. No personality, no soul. But Jesus, now when you go to the biblical uh, take on it, Jesus constantly would say, uh, you know, he would say, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? He puts a tremendous uh, weight on this idea of afterlife, what happens when you die. And matter of fact, when Jesus was died on the cross, the thief next to him says, Lord, remember when remember me when you come into your kingdom. Right. So he knew. I mean, this is Jesus died on the cross, and this guy knows he's done wrong. Yeah. Jesus has not done wrong, but somehow he understands he's the Messiah. He probably heard about Jesus, and he say to him, Lord, remember me, and when you come into your kingdom, which means we're going to die, but I know you have a kingdom. Please give me into that afterlife position. And of course, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, mm -hmm. today you'll be with me in paradise. So that's a very important thing that we live. We live in light of the fact that this life is short. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It is brief. It's, it's I mean, I'm another two months. No, yeah, not even two months. I celebrate my 75th birthday. I'm going into the fourth quarter, Okay. I don't feel like it, and that doesn't yeah, right, right, clear right. one way or the other. Yeah, But I'm just saying that's how my life went that quick. I can just, sometimes I go through my old neighborhood and I see baseball fields that I played on. I see where I parked my first car. I had this job when I was 16 at this supermarket at East Cleveland. And I, it comes back to me, you know, and I think, you know, my parents are gone. My grandparents are gone. My brother died. Good friends I've known. That's life. Life moves forward. But... We must prepare for the afterlife. And again, there's tremendous blessings uh, where Jesus will even say, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust and thieves don't break in. He says there's permanent. So the way we use our time here, our talents, our skill set, our money uh, is actually putting, putting uh, rewards in heaven. He wouldn't say that if there was no afterlife, you see. Yes. Now, what why, what makes Jesus so authentic or why his thing is notable and we should listen to it is he's the only philosopher or founder of religion that rose from the grave. If anybody can talk about death and afterlife, it's Jesus. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Now, this is a fact, folks. His grave is empty. Yeah. Now, you can come up with reasons why it's empty. Right. Uh, but he is the only person who predicted his death, mm -hmm. but he also predicted his resurrection. He says, destroy this body, and I'll raise it up again in three days. Or destroy this temple, I'll raise it in three days. He says to believers, I go to prepare a place for you, yeah. that where I am, you may also come. So he's constantly talking about the afterlife. Isn't it interesting, David, that the person that has victory over death, that is to say his, his tomb, I've been in it, in Jerusalem, uh, in, the, in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, it's empty. It's empty. Now, if, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, those apostles were not, they were not highly resourced people. They were fearful people. One of them's chief guys denied them. Another his apostles sold them out. They were from the Galilee. These weren't important governors and military generals. They would have gone back home because there was false messiahs before that tried to lead a revolt and they got squashed. And that was it. But why is it 2,000 years later, this man is the centerpiece of history? We date our calendar by his birthday. Right. And people will say, if you had a, a genuine encounter with this risen mm -hmm. Savior that died the worst deaths ever on a cross, right. he will touch your life and you won't be the same. Am I right? Mm -hmm. He'll touch you in some way. And uh, my only problem was I wish I got saved sooner. You know what I'm saying? Yes, me too. But that's the power, and that's your big, as we, we're going to finish up, this we're on this last point of death. And that's why we're told constantly to think about it. It's not a morbid thought. You know, again, a lot of people make a lot of plans for their funerals, even mafia people. But with, you know, and, and King Herod had this real elaborate plan for his funeral. He even paid people to come and weep for him because nobody really cared about it that much. But they have huge coffin and buildings and mausoleums and, all this other stuff. Well, yeah. Why? I mean, does it? That doesn't matter. What What happened was you wake up, and what Jesus gave the story of the rich man and Lazarus, and they both died. It's in the Gospel of Luke. It says the the rich man was in Hades, and he looked up, and all of a sudden he's it was like he must have been surprised. He goes, "Yeah, what am I doing here." <laughs> but that's the reality of it. Yeah, Jesus. What the, the point being? Jesus is constantly talking about this and reinforcing this truth yeah. that there is this afterlife. Thoughts on that, Dave? Yeah, you know, um, one of the things, because I know we're getting close to the end of time, Psalm 139, 13 through 16 says, you should become a Christian if you have the faith to believe and the willingness to surrender your life and future to the one who knows you best. It is the most important decision anyone can make. Uh, C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Great Divorce, a uh, great theologian and author, he says there are only two kinds of people in the end, those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. Mm. All that are in hell, choose it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, every so, day is yeah. a day of salvation, and uh, we live in a mystery. I mean, we really, really don't understand life yeah. in many ways. But this, we have this certainty, there is a death, there is an appointed time. And that's why it'll say in Psalm 90, mm -hmm. boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not yeah. what a day might bring forth. I mean, those five guys that got in that little submarine or whatever and paid a quarter million dollars each and signed all these release forms, they thought they're going down there, it's going to be a unique experience, we're going to take pictures of the Titanic, they were going to come up and have a party and 
that was it. Their day was over. Their their life was over. But did they think about after? I don't know. But I mean, that's that's the brevity of this whole thing. Yeah. That's the brevity. Now, uh, I do believe in some ways the the Bible promises us to have a blessed life. <laughs> God's main goal is in our happiness, but I do believe it's holiness. He's called us to holiness. But as we seek the Lord and seek to be more and more sanctified or made holy, I think there's blessings and I think happiness follows. Having said that, I realize that there's many Christians that are going through persecution for their faith today also. But um, I think we, sh we should be a heavenly-minded people. And so I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, people used to say, oh, he's so heavenly-minded, he's no earthly good. But C.S. Lewis said, the more heavenly-minded a person is, the more earthly good he is. Yes. Because he's living life in light right. of heaven. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to maximize this opportunity. So when you think of that sub you just mentioned, I think it was ca it's called the Titan. Titan. Um, you think of that little adventure they were going to have, which you can also get on YouTube. Yeah, right. The robots go down there and survey the same way the Titan did. The adventure of the Bible yeah. and following Christ is far greater than any earthly venture you can imagine. Oh, yeah. And you see all the gifts he gives you during the week, every day. Uh, you will have your challenges. You know, people have said to me, if you're Christian, why do these Christians suffer so much? He, he, Jesus said we will have trouble in this world, but He, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit when I leave. So we are going to have issues, but the majority of time... Um, you just can't believe the many gifts yes, right. and how it will change your life exactly for the right. better. Yeah, and, and you got to remember, we have this eternal soul. It's our choice where that soul will rest. Right. That, that's the most that, precious thing we have is our soul. Yeah. Uh, pe people think the most precious thing I have is my physical. Yeah. That's why, especially my generation, baby boomers are getting all these uh, this plastic surgery and they're getting all this stuff here and all this other yeah. stuff. For the physical, you right? Know, that this is mm -hmm. not going to last that long, mm -hmm. and make very, very little investment on their soul, right? Uh, now's the time to invest in eternity. Now's the time to use this time for the opportunities mm -hmm. that God brings us. You know, yeah. We can pray, we can share the gospel. How much time do we have, John? Just um, five minutes. Okay, so just real quick, you know, I, I wrote down just real high, high level eleven benefits of being a Christian: eternal life. Yeah, not bad, huh? John 3.16, knowing the meaning and purpose of life, 1 Corinthians 10.31, Psalms 36.7-9, forgiveness of our sin, Ephesians 1.7, freedom from the power of sin, Romans 8.2, freedom from guilt, Romans 8.1, that's a huge one for me, a relationship with God, John 14.20, the Holy Spirit talks about the Holy Spirit, John 14.29, a caring community, Acts 2.42, that is so yeah, important yeah. to get you through life, to help with your growth. You know how to live your life. Matthew 5.7, hope for a perfect body. 1 Corinthians 15.42, and hope in the end of suffering. So anyway, the, those are some of the things I wrote in my notes. Those are great. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are I mean, great. You know, even when you consider the Holy Spirit, when yeah. you become a believer, it says in Colossians, it's the greatest mystery hidden throughout all the ages. What yeah. is Christ in you? Right. That that is a deal breaker because yeah, the, the, the epistles will even say we hold in these earthen vessels this heavenly treasure. Yeah. And you walk around with the Holy Spirit inside you to guide you. It is so hard to you. think about every day. Yeah. It's, it's very powerful, but that's what gives our words power. Yeah. That's what gives us life. And uh, mm. 
it's the Holy Spirit that probably will propel us to heaven when we die. You know, and I think about my previous self, the things I did, the things I said, the people I heard, and thinking the Holy Spirit is in me now. Yeah. It's like you've got somebody just with you, and you got to remember that because it will help your mouth, what yeah. you say. Oh, yeah. And it'll also help with your actions. Plus, the Holy Spirit yeah. will lead you into all truth. So because before I was a believer, yeah. before somebody's a believer, the, the Bible says the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit. Hmm. That's why the Bible's a closed book to really intellectuals and so-called highly educated people. All oh, they think, oh, you really believe there's a God? Do you believe you have a soul? You, you know, they, they don't believe it. Yeah. You know, and, and, but once you have the Holy Spirit, this book like pops. Mm -hmm. You go, oh, man. And you understand things. You understand truths. You understand how to pray. You understand have victory over the, uh, the demonic. All of these kind of things. You've heard testimonies, David, from missionaries around the world. They trample on serpents and scorpions. That is to say, they have power over the demonic. That's another thing wasn't in your list. You're right. In that's some that's an excellent country. That's yes. a very important. Very and I close on this. Yeah. When I was doing a film in southern Thailand right after the tsunami, we were down in the island of Phuket. Um, we had a, hired a van driver to take us around. We were doing some filming. It was, I think we were there a month right after the thing hit, December 26, 2004. Yeah. And the van driver was a Thai fellow that feared evil spirits. They just, over there, they feared spirits. And we're driving around. He says, whatever you do, don't go down on this beach over here. We go, why not? He says, a lot of foreigners died when the tsunami wave came in. And they, they think they're haunted. Their spirits mm -hmm. lingering. And we said that, we don't fear evil spirits or ghosts he goes you don't we go no he goes why and we told him because we accepted jesus christ and he gives us power over demon yeah. spirits and ghosts and all these kinds of things he was very interested but that's another example we'll close on where i started first peter chapter 3 verse 15 sanctify the lord god in your hearts and always be ready to give an answer to the reason that everyone who asks a, a reason for the hope that lies within you but do it with meekness and respect. So we didn't criticize him like, I, I don't believe you believe in ghosts. No, we just used it to introduce him. Now, I don't know where he went with that, but we did share that with him. Wow. So that's it, Dave. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think um, maybe there's somebody listening today that just never made that decision. Maybe they never really pondered these deep mysteries of life, like origin, why is there something rather than nothing? Why am I here? Does life have meaning or purpose or uh, direction? Am I important? You know, there's 8 billion people on the planet. What, what, who am I? Now, uh, yeah, uh, is, is there a moral code? Am I breaking God's moral code? The same God that made gravity and all these laws that we see that control the universe also made a moral code he doesn't want us to break. You know, if you jump off a bridge, gravity's going to bring you to the ground. So if you keep breaking God's moral code, there's consequences. That's why he gives us guidelines. And then the other thing is the fact that the uh, you know, death is coming. It's approaching. You know, God willing, we're going to have long lives, but now is the time to prepare, and, and we're leaving a legacy. We're yes. touching people's lives. Yes. And uh, we do appreciate the opportunity to share these kind of messages, yes, David, and we look blessed. forward to it. Yeah, so sure. God bless you, everyone that tuned yes. in today. We look forward, God willing, we have some interesting people and ministries coming up in the future. And uh, once again, we're very, very grateful for WNZN, yes. this platform, to reach out. Uh, to people that um, we just want to share the good news of the gospel. Yep. But I, I promise you this, the Bible through Jesus Christ answers life's biggest questions. God bless you. God bless you.